0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified, as we explore home cooking in a modern world. I'm Linda, and I'm here with my friend Paul. Topics McGowan. <laughs> oh, I That's knew you were going to do that. I on. knew it, I knew it. No, don't call me that.
1: No, Topics McGowan. Well, I no, had to no. go out for a couple of hours, and I said to Linda before I left, All right, you've got to come up with a topic for today's podcast. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Um and you tried to pre-warn me, but I told you that's not in the rules. So, so we yes. never usually do that. So we don't know what we're going to talk about. Well, and one of us will bring a topic to the table. Generally, it's you. So you reckon you've got two. So I'm now going to well, name you topics, McGowan. That's it.
0: <laughs> and I, and as I said, you may decide to wrap, wrap this up one up really quickly. But one thing that we've never talked about, and I know it's a bit controversial at the moment, because. Um, well, the you know, there's a whole lot of reasons why, um, and it's about restaurant prices. Ooh,
1: a like controversial.
0: Because a lot of people, you know, are sort of, you know, we're having conniptions in Australia at the moment because there's headline news. It's like, you know, it's like we're back in the 1960s, but headline news, a lettuce was $12, a cabbage was was uh, $19, and these prices are unheard of. And And generally speaking, I would say that food in Australia can be quite expensive compared to sometimes around the rest of the world but yeah. either way yeah um no problem but these prices are exorbitant and they're making headline news and to the point that here mcdonald's big restaurant chain has replaced lettuce on their burgers reportedly reputedly with uh cabbage which Is i that thought right? was apparently because they were easy to get cabbages and lettuces now i wasn't sure that was a fur fee or not, but it did lead me to think. Wow. People generally don't understand the cost of food in restaurants and why some prices this seem is right, hefty. Your
1: the accountant's wheelhouse. Well, I know that
0: as you know, when, when I met you all those two hundred years ago, I was amazed at the time, and I did bring this up, that why am I tipping the waitering staff? Well, what I'm tipping the waitering staff is the food. Which is really the kitchen, but it's you know, yeah, no, that's how, it's, that's it. how I, yeah, how you
1: interpret your tip. So let's not dive into no, no.
0: that. No, 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 no. But that's but then it's a, it did lead me to think. But then you also do tip for really good service yep. and and so on. But I will forgive bad service for great food, just generally speaking. But either way, but people don't generally know. And I, and you know, there's a new little bar opened up in the corner from us at home, which I'm really keen to get into one time, called Shabu Shabu, and you know they were sort of commenting it's on some shabu, of the shabu. i don't know it could because be because that's a dish no no shabu, this shabu, is shabu. this is a i don't know actually yeah. now i'm going to go <laughs> past them. but either way but it does sort of when and people do talk about the prices of things the prices of drinks the prices yeah. of food yeah. and whether they're high or not yeah. and i thought that's really an arbitrary thing because most people don't understand the work that's involved the cost of everything yeah. and now i'm handing it right over to you my beautiful friend to say
1: yeah, well, okay, so it's been a while one since one. I've had to concern myself a lot with that. So I get a little bit of free reign in my day job when I do host dinner events to... Now, I do cook within a budget of sorts, right? Yeah. But not to the same degree as what I did when I was working in a restaurant, where you do, you know, full analysis of every single component of the dish, and the entire dish itself, you know, yes. and you want... And you would be very happy, but you want it broken down into 33%. Yes. You want a cost of 33 percent and you want some labour and then you want the profit at the end. Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, a lot of the time it doesn't work out like that, and a lot of the time you will put menu items on that cost you a lot more. They're called lost letters. Yes, there you go. Um but you make up for it with other items on your menu that are much higher margin gainers Okay, so in essence the thing that and not everyone is like this right and so we make assumptions about what people think about the price of food I remember when being a very young apprentice a long time ago and there's a very famous Italian restaurant and restaurateur in Melbourne at the top of Bourke Street, Guy Grossi and has had had a restaurant there for eons and I remember and this is a very long time I remember there was a massive controversy because he put out a main course that was $50 and that that was a I mean $50 is $50 right it's a, not a small amount of money and for a main course dish at that time and we're talking probably late 90s very early 2000s $50 main courses were unheard of like at a good restaurant you'd be in the $36 to $38 bracket and I think a lot of people have to a degree moved on from it, but some haven't, right? The thing about a plate of food in a restaurant is that it is more than the sum of its parts, okay? So when you look at what you get on your plate, obviously there's a level of skill that's involved with producing it, hopefully, if it's good. Then there's the actual cost of the ingredients, and that's what most of us see, right? We look at it and we go, okay, that and often and I hear people on the, even today I heard someone talking on the radio about another very famous restaurant um, talking about big plates and small portions of food that cost you a fortune you know, um, but we generally look at the ingredients on the plate and not all of us but some people will make a rough calculation in their head and go well I could have made this myself for X and I'm paying Y and Z A W, right? For the privilege. So what a lot of people don't understand is is that that plate of food contributes to, obviously, the broader profit and loss and budget of a restaurant. Now, within that plate of food, generally you try and split out food and beverages in restaurants, okay? So they kind of have their own micro-enterprises, if you like, micro-businesses, because to be honest with you, restaurants make their money off drinks. Always have, always will. And the funny part is, is that quite often people will come at that a lot easier than they will at coming. So they'll pay a lot more for their drinks than they will at, mm. for their food. Okay. Which is kind of funny, right? When you think about it. This And this is ongoing back a ways, right? Because I haven't been in. Restaurant kitchens for a while now. Pushing, but it is
0: in your living memory.
1: Be pushing 10 years, but nonetheless, like that
0: hasn't been that long.
1: But it, close to that long.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So the markup on a bottle of wine in a restaurant minimum is about
0: 130%. So if you're buying a really cheap bottle of wine,
1: right? Wow. So okay. So 130%, that's a really good money maker. Okay, and the funny thing is is that people could probably go to they pick out a bottle of whatever and they could probably go to the local bottle shop and see the same bottle the same vintage grab it themselves and pay 130% less right? but because you're out you're doing it it's fine you just come at it and it's, that's it right? you can't put 130% on top of a plate of food it's impossible it's nigh on impossible which is why a lot of restaurants now will do degustation menus is a really good example of how to potentially make a little bit more money out of food individually plated main courses as an example are very hard to make money from very hard because that plate of food has mm. got to pay for the food ingredients themselves the chefs the dishwasher the kitchen the upkeep of the kitchen the cleaning of the kitchen, the tea towels, the equipment that breaks down, the guy that comes and changes the grease filters on the range hood, like the oil in the deep fryer, even though it's not used in that dish, like it pays for every single component, the plate itself, the cutlery, the linen, like that plate of food has to... Make a contribution to that. So, realistically, like if you looked at what a plate of food should be priced at, if you did a comparison to a bottle of wine, like you could have your bottle of wine at fifty percent markup and your food at fifty percent markup, but every main course would be like sixty, eighty dollars, at least. And people aren't going to pay that. And people aren't going to pay that because they don't see the value in it, right? So, they're happy to fork out for a bottle of wine at one hundred and thirty percent markup, but that's how restaurants make money. I promise you, I promise you, that's how restaurants make money because it's a single-use item. You need very little as far as storage. You don't need to put it together as such. Yeah, so it doesn't involve an entire process, an entire team. And remember, in a lot of kitchens, you may well have a small kitchen team of two, but you might have a kitchen team of 10 or 20. You know, so those bigger restaurants, like the big restaurants, let's say... And we'll just pick one out of a hat, let's say Rockpool. That's a big restaurant. There's a lot of staff there. You could do you could say Donovan's, you could do any of the big restaurants that have been well healed by, by Melbournians for eons, right? There's a lot of weight staff there, there's a lot of chefs there. They've got their processes down pat, but I would guarantee you that they making well they make the majority of the money off selling wine. Or beer, grog, alcohol, drinks. Because it doesn't require the storage. It doesn't requ- it requires very little. Which is why pubs make money. Because what do pubs do?
0: All about the beer and all about the alcohol and the less alcohol. about the food. Yeah. yeah, because people
1: are willing to pay Yeah, And just go alcohol. and drink. And I mean, one of the first yeah. people that I worked for was a, uh, well, it was a very long time ago now, a publican, at a very famous pub in Fitzroy. And he's... He was very near and dear to my heart. I loved this man's death. His name was Chick, and he owned a rainbow hotel in Fitzroy. And I started cooking there, and he wanted to open up his kitchen. And One of the first things he said to me, he said, Poly, that's what he used to call me, Pauly Boy. He said, Polly Boy, just don't forget something. We are here to sell piss. And that was his... Oh, for those people who you know, don't know that what means, that word that means alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> that's the slang term for alcohol in Australia. But we are here to sell rock. Right, yeah. and that was his thing because that's how he made money. That's how he made money.
0: And that's one of the bands.
1: Yep. Yeah, and yeah. if you look at, um, so I can tell you that out of a keg of beer, you get one hundred and seventy-five pots of beer. Now, back in the day, now this is a long time ago now, but I think a keg of beer was somewhere around the two hundred dollar mark. Right now, you're the maths expert here, but a pot would cost you. Three bucks, and you get 175 pots. Got my
0: calculator handy, 525.
1: Yeah, so you get 50% markup. You know, you're getting 50% mm. profit, and all you've had to do is get some glassware and a dishwasher. It's more. Yeah, so now I'm, my sons might be wrong, right, but I know 175 pots comes out of yep. a keg, and that's why pubs have stayed open for as long as I do. Now, I mean, a lot of them do pokies now and various other things. But people will come more at the, the drinking alcohol side of things um, because it, it makes money. Okay. so when it's we're- not that restaurants don't make money. And you can make money off some food and some dishes, right? So, and that's why you will see restaurants, clever restaurants, you will see them... Like if you take as an example, and I'm just going to use one particular cut of meat as an example, right? So you take an eye fillet, this thing's tapered, and you'll get some nice steaks out of the middle of it, but then you've got to a few off cuts here and there, and a bit of scrap, and a bit of this, and a bit of that. But generally it's a pretty um, good yield item. It's expensive, and you can charge a lot for it. So you can charge a lot for your, your fillet steaks, right? And that's great. You probably break even, give or take. Maybe make a little bit of money like, on top. But all those offcuts and scraps, you turn them into something and you create a dish out of those, that's almost pure profit. So that's where kitchens get clever, right? So rather than buy filleted fish from the fishmonger, and we've been down this yes, road yes, for, yes. where buy you pay a, a premium yep. because someone has done the work for mm-hmm. you, Restaurants will buy whole fish. And then all of a sudden, they've got a carcass there and they can make a soup out of it, let's say.
0: Or stock or whatever. whatever. And then you
1: add some rice and you've got a Mm -hmm. result. But you're getting multiple use out of single ingredient, creating multiple dishes, which then makes what the main core part of the item that you have chosen to cook cost less because all of those other little bits that you've built around it have reduced the cost of it. So you're getting closer to a better margin. Does that make sense? And totally. Then, no, no, it does yeah. totally.
0: And that leads me to my second question then, which was also about restaurants. Mm. When you go to a restaurant and you see chef specials yeah. versus uh, sort of the the standard you know menu that they have, yeah. are those chef specials really a special? Or are they just... Like, I always try to imagine that maybe the chef... You know, that's a food they have to do on a regular basis because their patrons love, yep. you know, the chicken sitzel or the beef, yep. you know, with whatever. chips or whatever. Yep. But these things here are what's in season. What's, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> what's in yep. season and what they've wanted to make for themselves yep. and then in be inspired by. And therefore, they're I'm pretty hopeful
1: sometimes, but yes. Worth a try. <laughs> yeah. So... It very much depends on... Or is it just marketing? No, it's not. It very much depends on where you eat, where you choose to eat. I, as a um, famous food writer... John Lithlian? No, Matthew Evans. Okay. Said never order seafood on a Monday, which is still true to this day, by the way, um, because that seafood will, at minimum, be from Saturday. Very rarely do you get super fresh seafood on a Monday. It's a bit different these days, but nonetheless. As far as specials go, it's a bit of a funny one. So quite often, if you have a very tried and true restaurant that doesn't change their menu that often, um, and so like you say, the the chefs go through the process and that's the menu, and I've worked at restaurants like that. One very well-known one for a long period of time. And the menu very rarely changed. And if it did, it was like two or three dishes once every six months. But it was a French bistro and they wanted the bistro classics. And And they were
0: great. And And they were great.
1: Yeah. So the specials were always where I worked, what was in season, absolutely. So if something new came into season, we used to love when zucchini flowers started coming in or soft-shell crabs or Mm. different types of fish. Um, so you get to play a little bit. I'm, I've always written when I worked, generally, and barring the first restaurant where you and I, oh no, barring one of the restaurants where you used to come where I worked, mm-hmm. but I would generally never actually have set fish dishes down on the restaurant. I would always have like a fish of the day type proposal on the, um because it also gives you freedom to build a dish around whatever's good or relatively cheap as well at the time um, so and generally you would see a fish of the day as on the specials board if you like so I think the busier the restaurant the better chance you are or the better luck you have of having a ordering a special that's going to be good and it's not going to be something recycled if you see very similar ingredient patterns in the menu that you do on the specials board It means they're trying to push something I would suggest it means they're trying to push something out Okay. so if you have, if you walk into a restaurant and they have scallops with cauliflower puree and I don't know asparagus, right? and that's the menu dish and then on the specials board you've got scallops with lemon butter and chorizo sausage and Whatever. I'm I'm not ordering scallops that day.
0: Because they've ordered too many and they're well, who knows, or they're not right? selling them yeah. and so they've got them now in,
1: okay. in abundance. Okay. And so I would That's tend a hot tip, to everybody? Yeah, I would tend to look at the ingredients on the specials board like and you generally get a little bit of detail, right? Because mm-hmm. um, most menus these days are written as just a list of ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. So you see Snapper, this, that, 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 done, right? There's very little anymore of like finished with a bernoisette of, you know, mustard and sage. You don't see those descriptors anymore much. No. So you'd see ingredients lists. So when I look at specialist boards, and the funny thing is, is actually recently when I was up in Sydney, I ordered off a specialist board. Um, because I actually read through the menu and I was like, "Oh yeah, it looks all right, And then I saw something totally different that wasn't had nothing to do with their menu, um, and it was an Italian restaurant, and there was very little lamb on the on the menu, if any. And they had a lamb ragu pasta, and I thought, "Oh well, yeah, that's what I feel like." So I ordered that. There's no way if they have lamb anywhere on their menu. Yeah, if it was a lamb rack, it'd be different, but you're not making a ragu out of a lamb rack. So they're the things that I look at, and I went, no, they've ordered shoulders in or whatever. Cheap cut, good profit margin, and it's something that they've got there that they don't usually cook. Why not? Give and how was it? Yeah, it was good. Not as good as mine, but it was good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, specials boards, I would, if you see a lot of ingredient overlap in what's on the specials board as to what's in the, in the menu... Yeah, tread lightly.
0: Well, thank you. And just a final comment about that. I know this is not going to apply to you, but so this is more of a comment than a question. But you know me, and I, um, when it comes to food, there are places I go to that once I've been for a little while and, and have gone through their menu, I love something and I want to have that.
1: Yeah.
0: You're not that kind of person. No,
1: I order something different. Every, Every time. time. So that being said, like if you remove COVID and if I go, if I think back a little bit to the previous job I was in when I was travelling a little bit more, um, I would certainly visit... So I would spend a bit of time in Queensland, right? And I would be in a place called Fortitude Valley and that was great and that's where most of my work was and, da, 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 and there was a... It was a French little bistro that was there, and every time I had to go up there for a work trip, I would go there. Now, I wouldn't necessarily order the same food, but nine times out of ten, if I'm eating by myself, traveling by myself, I do tend to treat myself a fraction. Um, And I will start with oysters, steak tartare as a minimum, Um, but. I think I probably went there at least two or three times, maybe four. I had something different pretty much every time. Because that's just... I, I see, there's no joy for me in the repetitiveness of that.
0: No, whereas for me, who doesn't have your skills, but for me, because... And, yeah. and this is where we live. We're absolutely spoiled yeah. with choice. So our question is... Not often uh, right, which restaurant sort of, yeah. do you want to go to. Yeah. It's what do you feel like eating? What have you got a hankering for? Yeah. And it'll be I feel like Angie's Bistro's um, fried rice with pork belly, or yeah, a, I feel like this over here. Yeah. And you tend to go to that restaurant for those things because there's so much to choose from. Yeah. Here where we live, we're just spoiled.
1: Yeah, super spoiled. I yeah. I d- it might be different if I don't, you know. I don't know that there's any. Like I think. I think I can think back to, like, a few particular dishes that I've had on occasions where I would 100% go back just for that dish.
0: Okay. But
1: there's only, there'd be only, like, two or three. It was that good that I just could not go back. But the funny thing is, is when you work in restaurants that have a menu that is sort of long-lasting, you know, so mm-hmm. where I used to work, Bistro Terry, like, the menu oh, was, yeah. you know... Yes, a few items change as far as seasonality and stuff like that. But the core principle of the menu, like at least 75% of it, has been the way it has been for 15 plus years. And the funny thing is, is that when you work in a restaurant like that, you get to know, there's a lot of regulars, right? Mm-hmm. You
0: know, yeah.
1: regular people come in, but they have the same thing. Mm-hmm. All the time. So people do eat like that, and that's fine. Good on them. And every now and again, they might go, oh, you know, I'll try something different. But the funny thing is, is quite often, is that for every five times they come in, on the sixth time, they might try something different. But the seventh time that they come in, they'll go back to their (laughs) favourite. They very rarely stretch that imagination that far. But that's why, I mean, that's why some of those restaurants work. Mm. And I mean, that's how we go back to... First topic, when you talk about costs, you know, and understanding yeah. that sort of stuff, restaurants like that find a really nice middle ground because they know exactly what they need to produce, how much of it they need to produce. They know their costs all the time because you're not swapping and changing menus and ingredients all the time. And you can, as you would know, like anything in accounting, right, if you mm-hmm. streamline everything and make it a little bit more financially viable it's going to be better long term totally, yeah. so they it works to people's benefit
0: yeah and not only that when you go in when you walk in the door you make a booking there you walk in the door you know you're going to have a really high quality food there's no surprises yeah you know I, I you mean, know yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. you, you know big, what you're going to get yeah, right? exactly yeah. it's it's great you know what you're going to get yeah. and it's that uh, that principle that's like, also like
1: you know which is why I would prefer to, you know... I, I can, re- The last few times that I've been in Sydney with my colleagues and they said to me, oh, you know, let's go out for dinner or something. We always go to the same place. And I'm like, do we're in Sydney. Like, there's a mecca of food here. But they always seem to want to go to the same place. Now, it's good, it's great, it's excellent. There's nothing wrong with it. The food is always outstanding. But it's not... It's horses, of course, right, that's just not me. I'd rather go explore like like I said, we, like I said a couple of weeks ago, the second best pizza, if not the best pizza I've ever had in my life, was in the middle of Auckland in the tiniest restaurant out of an electric oven. If I didn't walk in there, how would I know?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So I always encourage people to give everywhere a go. Not everything's gonna be golden and shiny and perfect all the time and you might be paying a bit too much for what you think is worthwhile, but you know, if you want variety in restaurants, the only way to do it is by supporting them.
0: And remember also that food prices everywhere are going up. Yeah. and If we're paying twelve dollars for a lettuce,
1: and McDonald's are no longer serving lettuce, which I've well, I, of. I um,
0: I haven't uh, had it. I haven't been, so I don't know for certain. But the prices, it was, it was on the news. So when would the news not tell you the truth? a <laughs> oh, conspiracy theorists! <laughs> I know. But thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah. There you go. There we are. Well, have a, uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Have a nice weekend cooking, yeah. if you're going to be cooking. And um, cooking. till next time, take care. Happy anyway, cooking. Well. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe. And for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com.